0: Is a God oh see great is a God hallelujah, Jesus. You are great and mighty, hallelujah God, hallelujah, Jesus. We're gonna call our pastor to the platform,
1: hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. I know it's a little weary outside with the weather the way it is, but it's certainly good to be in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. I love the Lord tonight. I'm so grateful to Him. You know, um, sometimes we uh, can get um, overwhelmed and forget about how good God really is, and um, I'm not going to talk on that tonight, but I just, you know, I'm just so grateful to God um, for his goodness and his mercies um, to not keep you standing too long. Turn with me to Ephesians 3, 13 through 21. Uh, I pray that what we're going to talk about, I'm probably going to take two Wednesdays to talk about this, but i I'm thinking. Um, Unless I can get through it, I don't know. But the bottom line is we're going to see what God has in store for us. Amen. The Bible says, wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation. This is Paul speaking. At my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For the cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, of uh, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, amen, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love, say rooted in love and grounded grounded. in in love. Amen. And verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height. And know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, it says, now unto him that is able to do what? Say it again, to do what? Abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. I know I added a word, Lord, forgive me, but we must make this scripture, when you're reading scripture, you must make it personal. Amen. Amen. Now unto him that is able, being our Lord, to give us the ability to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, amen, his spirit is in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout what, all ages, world without end, and he says amen, and you may be seated in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you tonight about growing in Christian discipleship. Amen. I I think it's so important that we continue to grow as disciples in as disciples of Christ Jesus. Amen. I want to grow deeper and stronger as a disciple of the Lord. In these last days, it will take. uh, I think. I, I believe in my spirit that it's going to take a lot of maturity to last in these last days. Those that have not read their word, those that have not prayed, those that have not sought the face of God, those that have not been rooted and grounded are going to be washed away or blown away by the wind or the waves if we are not careful. And I want to grow and mature spiritually with the Lord. Amen? Amen? And so I'm praying that something that I will say or talk about tonight will help us as a whole, uh, to grow and mature spiritually. I'm not saying that all of us are immature or not mature or whatever. I'm just talking to you. As a disciple of Christ, we must grow weekly, daily, monthly, hourly, uh, yearly. We must grow. We all need to be in in a continual state of growth. Amen. Amen. Amen? Do we not continually grow on the job? Right, we we grow on the job every day. We learn something new. At least I hope you're learning something new on the job every day. Uh, in in relationships, we grow every day and learn something different in a relationship. Right, and so uh, we all need to be a, in a continual state of growth. And in spite of our education or position in the church, we all need to be growing. We all need to be growing. Let me ask you, are you growing as a Christian? Well, I hope so, yeah. Are you day by day experiencing new dimensions in Christ in Christian living? Do you feel like you're a 10, moment by moment, becoming a little more like Christ? There are days that are challenging that I have to ask God to help me to be more like him. Amen. There's days that I, I have to ask him for some help to be more like him. So can you honestly say that you are regularly gaining new spiritual insights? I want to be gaining new spiritual insights every day. Even though all of us wish to grow, we may in fact not be growing like we ought to be. And so Christian growth does not happen by accident. Christian growth takes something that we have to do daily, right? Just like a boxer, he trains every day. Just like a football player, a quarterback practices every day throwing that ball. Just like a basketball player practices shooting. Uh, When Aaron was a, Brother Aaron was a small young man uh, and he came to the house, he is probably one of my only children that really used the basketball hoop that we bought. that got any use use out of it. Aaron shot every Saturday, if he was there on Saturdays and Fridays. Inevitably, he was shooting because he was going to be a basketball star. And he kept shooting because he knew shooting would get, as long as he kept practicing, he could get better. And so uh, we have to keep practicing, right? You have to keep trying and working on our walk with God. It's imperative that we do that. Developing as a disciple of Jesus requires several things. Number one, a decision. We must decide we are going to grow. You've got to make a decision that today I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray. Today I'm going to get up and read the word of God. Today I'm going to learn from you, Lord God. You've got to make a decision. Number two, determination. It's easy to get... So there has to be determination that I'm going to learn, that I'm going to stay in the race. We must be relentless in our pursuit of spiritual maturity. Because I can hang my spiritual maturity up and not come to the altar, not pray, not pray every day, not come to the church expecting to see a miracle, coming to the church to expect to see somebody Pray through to the Holy Ghost. See, spiritual maturity prepares us that when we come, we already have something set up in our mind that we already believe somebody's going to be healed. We already believe that God, because we have spiritual maturity, when you have spiritual maturity, you have faith that God can deliver. You have faith that God can heal. You have faith that God can uh, restore someone in the Holy Ghost. You have faith that someone can be filled with the Holy Ghost if they repent, right? You have faith that when you walk into church, most of us should have faith that we could even, as our own self, walk up to somebody, lay hands on them, and pray for them, and they'd be That's spiritual maturity. When there's no spiritual maturity, you sit back and go, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I got enough faith for that. That's left up to the pastor or the ministering team or this. God called all of us. He said the signs would follow them. He didn't say pastors. He didn't say teachers. He didn't say doorman. He didn't say uh, uh, sound booth operators and AV team and video team and worship singers and keyboard lead keyboard players and singers. He said these signs would follow them that what? Believe. And so a maturing Christian must have determination to have a spiritual maturity. Number three, you must be disciplined. There must be discipline in my life. We must be very disciplined in obeying that which we already understand to be God's will. Right? We know that it's God's will that we are the worshipers. He knows, we know that it's His will for us to worship Him. So I must come with a determination. Though I don't feel like raising my hands, I raise my hands. Though I don't want to sing the song, I, I sing the song with my hands raised. Though I don't want to smile, <laughs> Aaron just smiled at me. But, 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 you know, if I don't want to smile, then I smile. Right? Determination. God, I'm not letting the devil affect this service. God, I'm not letting the devil destroy this service. I, I, though I don't feel like doing anything today, God, I'm doing it because I want to be obedient. i got a determination. I'm going to be obedient to you. I know this is what you want me to do, so I'm going to do it. There must be determination. Number four is dependence. We must understand that our dependence is only up on God. Absolutely, he is the only one we can depend on. He's the only one that gives me any talents. He's the only one that gives me strength. He's the only one that gives me the ability to overcome. He's the only one that can heal me. Only one that can cause me to sing. Only one that can cause me to preach. Only one calls cause me to teach. Only one that can help me to raise my hands and worship him. So tonight we will learn something from the imprisoned Apostle Paul about becoming a mature Christian uh, uh, disciple. There are many factors involved in spiritual growth. And let me just tell you, this is by the Barna Group. They do research on churches. The percentage of Christians who are not engaged in discipleship is significantly higher among older generations. The generation Z, there's only 23% that aren't significantly engaged in discipleship of the church and being a discipler. Millennials, there are 23% that are not involved in uh, discipleship and being a disciple of Christ Jesus. Generation X, 41% 41% that are not engaged in the church. Baby boomers 53% that are not engaged in the church that have walked away from the house of God. I believe we see five important factors that we are that were a part of the that was a part of the Apostle Paul's life which facilitated his own spiritual a development and which facilitated the development of others in and around him. Amen. And so I, I want to try to give you them. And the five influencing factors are as follows in verse 13, the price of maturing disciples. There's a price. Number two, verse 14 talks about the prayer of maturing disciples. Number three, the position of maturing disciples. Verse 14. Verse uh, number four, the power of maturing disciples in verse 20. And number five, the praise of maturing disciples, verse 20 and 21. And I'm going to try to address every one of these if I can. And so the price of maturing disciples, if you really want to grow as a Christian, there will always be a price to pay. It does not fit your schedule. God's schedule don't fit our schedule. To be a mature Christian, we've got to fit his schedule, it's so it's so amazing, right? You know, I remember when we were uh, raising Aaron in a soccer field with Alan and Josh, and we, we were we were youth. I think then we were in the youth, we were youth over the youth at that point. Man, it was difficult to try to juggle and and make things happen, right? And make sure that I could get them to practice, get them something to eat, get back to church on Wednesday, then and, and, and then coaches they can't play on sunday so you better make sure they don't schedule games on sunday and all these things right and picking them up make sure they're going to practice on sundays when we had a break i took them all out and we practiced practice soccer so we'd be ready on monday for wednesday or wherever whenever practice was so that they'd be prepared for the game but uh, you know and then we were doing outreach then trying to juggle that and, and and put that in there there is a price to pay to be a disciple of christ jesus your growth will not happen accidentally your growth as a Christian and as a disciple of Christ does not just happen accidentally. There is a process that's got to be done. There's, gotta, there's a process of reading the word of God. There's a process of prayer. There's a process of being faithful to the house of God. There's going to be a day. There's going to be a shaking coming. And, and I'm talking about the world being shaken. I'm not talking about, and, and you all might call it the church being shaken, but there's a, there's a shaking coming to the church. Uh, the world, but the, they're souls that we have seen in the house of God. And we would call them mature Christian disciplers, right? Christian disciples, mature Christian disciples. But as soon as you begin to see the world begin to crumble, some things start to happen. One world, uh, things are going to happen. They're going to forget everything that they've ever been taught. And they're going to be the ones running around like the little, the little uh, bedtime story, Chicken Little, right, running around. The sky's falling. The sky's falling. Mature disciples in the church ought to be standing going, it's okay. The Lord's getting ready to come back. We're we are ready for it. If you want to get ready, get in the boat. If you want to get ready, the door's about to be shut just like it was in the days of Noah. It's going to rain. It's coming. Jesus is coming. The mature disciples ought to be telling people Jesus is about ready to come because he is about ready to come. And we have the answer, which is the plan of salvation, which is the word of God. Mature Christians ought to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection, which typifies over into the book of, the book of Acts, which is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, then filling of the Holy Ghost. So you don't just grow accidentally. Also, as you grow, you will find that it it often costs us very dearly to be all that God wants us to be. Being a disciple of Christ costs the Apostle Paul. Listen to what it says in verse 14. Paul says to the Ephesians, who he loved so dearly, wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation, what he was saying is, literally, it's going to squeeze me, it's going to oppress us and afflict me for you, because of you, but don't let it bother you. Glory in it. Glory in it. Well, I don't know if I want to take a, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to take hate crimes and, uh, because I love the people. Christ took it. He went to a cross and died for all mankind. And if we're going to be disciples of Christ, then we must be able to stand. We must be mature Christians, mature disciples. Paul was paying the price of his discipleship. After Paul became a Christian, he spent 14 years growing in the Word. He was called by Barnabas and Antioch to help the multitude of new converts there, and they began to grow. The church at Antioch commissioned him to go all over uh, uh, to go all over the known, all over the world to spread the gospel. One of the places he went to start start a church was here at Ephesus because of Paul's great zeal in spreading the gospel. He was eventually arrested in Jerusalem, sent to Rome, and to stand trial before Caesar. Maturing Christian, our disciple, excuse me, so what a great price it cost Paul to be a disciple of Christ, Jesus. Paul's current imprisonment uh, is just part of the price that he paid to be a disciple of Christ and to take the gospel to the Gentiles. We see in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-four 24 through 28, the Bible says in verse 24, Of the Jews, five times he received 40 stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods once was I stoned thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day I have been in the deep in the journeyings often in perilous perils of water in perils of robbers in perils by mine own countrymen in perils by the heathen in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness in peril perilous perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Hear what he's saying, right? In weariness and painful, in watching often, in hunger. I was hungry. I was thirsty. In fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul paid the price on behalf of others. Meaning you and I are going to pay the price because of others. If we want to see people saved, we're going to have to pay a price. We're going to have to pay a price. Verse 13 says, I desire that ye faint not during my tribulation. Don't fear. Don't faint. Don't give up. Just because I'm going through this now, it's going to be okay. Stay the course. The reason Paul suffered as he did is because God had called him to be the apostle to the Gentiles and he obeyed the calling of the Lord on his life. And he was zealous about it. He he was serious about it. He wanted to do what God wanted him to do. He didn't get beaten and shipwrecked and imprisoned for sitting around making tents. He suffered in order that the gospel might go to the Gentiles and be preached all over the world and such people as the, as the in Ephesus. Paul's suffering was to their glory. It wasn't to his glory, it was to their glory. Verse 14 says, this man Paul was a benefit to them. You're a benefit to people that you share the gospel with. Amen. Understand it, it you are, it's important that you share the gospel. It's a benefit and a well-being in that they had a friend like him who was willing to endure such hardship. Lord God, he's making me grow. He's growing me to be a discipler. Am I going to be the same kind of disciple as Paul was? I need to pray, God, help me to be a disciple like Paul. Help me to be strong like Paul. Help me to understand, there's going to be a cost to being a disciple of Christ Jesus. There's going to be a cost to being called a child of God. There's going to be a cost that when everybody goes, "Uh, what God do you serve? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's who I serve. My Lord and my Savior. There's going to be a cost. There's going to be something that's going to cost us if it hadn't already cost you something now. I've, I've seen... Family turn against family because of Jesus. I want you to understand it it cost Paul everything to be a maturing disciple of Christ, and he grew in obedience to god 's call on his life. The price he paid became greater and greater it didn 't just stop his you know the the, the price get kept getting greater and greater. We think that man I made it i i've, I've, I've come through the the, 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 uh, the famines, I've come through not a lot of money in my bank accounts, I've come through uh, sickness and I've made it and then all of a sudden something else happens. But am I a disciple of Christ? Am I a disciple of Christ? It's the cost that you will pay. It's the price you will pay to be a maturing disciple. There is some definite cost involved in being a disciple of Jesus. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, if you have read anything about crucifixion, you know that when he walked that road that the cross was so heavy that someone had to help him carry it. Of course, that was, I believe, only because they had whooped and beaten him so bad that the blood that had came out of his body, that he was so weak that he couldn't carry the cross. So someone else stood in his place and helped carry that cross, but it it will cost us self-denial. It's going to cost us denying ourselves, an absolute surrender of personal desire and pursuits. Watch people, man, lose out with God for personal advancement. Personal advancement when God had nothing to do with it, and it will cost us our lives maybe to be a disciple of Christ Jesus at some point. You see, the cross here is not a symbol of a uh, pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by religion. It is not an easy-living bed of roses symbol. It is a symbol of death, of cruel suffering, and a dying True discipleship and spiritual growth is costly. Jesus said in Luke 14, 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsake not all that he hath, he cannot what? The Bible says he cannot what? So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be what? my disciple. Paul said in Philippians 3, 8, Yea, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them what? But dung, that I may what? Win Christ. Amen. To have everything and lose out. I don't want to have everything and lose out. Amen. I want to make it into the kingdom of God. I want to be a disciple of Christ Jesus. I want to be counted fit to be a disciple. Many Christians never grow because they are unwilling to pay the price. They are unwilling to spend the time in prayer. They're unwilling to spend time in Bible study and church attendance that it takes to grow. They're unwilling to be obedient to what they already understand to be God's will for them, i.e. soul winning, teaching a class, preaching, outreach, etc. God will take you only as far as you are willing to go. If all you want to do is come and sit on a pew, that's as far as you'll go. That's as far as you'll get. But if you come to the house of the Lord wanting to be a disciple of Christ Jesus, that that you, you almost can't pass anybody without saying, hey, how are you, so that you can at least show them Jesus. If they say something, say, God bless you. I went into Lowe's this evening about 3.30. And this lady named Angela, she, we, got pretty familiar with each other when we were working on my house and so she remembered me she didn't remember my name but she knew that you know I was a pastor and so I asked her how her children were doing and I asked her how things were going and she said oh I got to tell you something she says I'm going to be a grandmother I said praise God right I said you you just don't know the blessings of being a grandfather a grandparent right I said it's amazing I said I love my children but there's something different about a grandbaby. I don't know what it's like to be a great-grandparent, but I can only tell you what it's like to be a grandparent. It's pretty amazing, okay? I don't know if it has anything to do what it'll be like in heaven, but I can tell you if there was anything that could be heaven on earth, it would be being a grandfather. My wife saw, we, we, we were getting a bite to eat, and right? And my wife said, you see that guy sitting over there? It's sitting with two little girls. She said, that's you in a few years. Sitting with your granddaughters right there over in that booth, eating, having, having a, a bite to eat with your grandbabies. But it, let, me, let me just try to give you an example. Let's say you are wanting to know God's will concerning a job chain. You pray and pray, but you, you get no clear direction. You should begin to check your life there's some things you need to start checking. It could be that you've not been obedient uh, to something God has already revealed to you, like being a more aggressive soul winner or being faithful to the house of God or being in ministry. So being faithful allows you to be in ministry. Let me just say that. Until you obey what he's already shown you, he'll not show you more, right? So if it was a job that I'm looking for, right? Um, uh, So if I'm not being uh, what I need to be, uh, I can be paying my tithes and, and all that could be great, but if, I'm, if there's something he's wanting me to do along with the things that I am being obedient with and I'm not being obedient to it, there's, that's as far as I'm going to get. There's not going to be any door open for me. And so God's will is like the headlights attached to your car of obedience. Are you willing to pay the price to grow? Are you willing to commit the time It takes to in prayer and devotion and being a disciple of Christ Jesus. Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone and talk to people? My wife has become, I almost, I feel like I'm becoming a recluse now. We go somewhere and my wife is talking to everybody. And I'm like, I'm sitting, I'm following her now. She chased this lady down. She gave us a quick wave, right? This is a neighbor we know. And um, the lady gave us this, like, quick wave, right? It seems like, oh, no, something ain't right. There's, not, not, there's something not right with her. She said, I'm going. I said, well, honey, you just go on over there. She don't have a husband. I'm going over to to the house. You just go on and you go over there and talk to her. And she went. She, went, she wanted to find out what was wrong. Are you okay? What's going on? I noticed you were not so, you know, things weren't right. Uh, Have we done something to you? What's going on? Are are You you know what I mean? And the lady said, well, I had a wreck. (laughs) I had an accident. Tam's like, oh, I'm so sorry. What can we do to help you? Right? That was immediately. What can we do to help you? But but the bottom line is I I just, I was okay with that. I was like, okay. But not Tam. Tam was like, oh, no. You know? So something's happening here. Roles are changing. But, uh, but are, you will, oh, are you willing to obey God at any cost? Have you ever come to the place where you have said, God, I'll follow you wherever you lead. I'll do whatever you want me to do, no matter what it may cost me. I can tell you my, our bishop gets stressed out when I say this, but I've said this many a times, and I still say it. Excuse me. I say this I've said this many a times. if God was to tell me tomorrow that he was taking me to somewhere else then I would tell you all I got to go we got to find someone else to fill the shoes right the pulpit because if I'm going to be obedient to God where I'm not going to say no to God and say no no I got to stay here Lord you know what would happen to you all there'd be curses on this church because I was disobedient I'd be like Jonah you know what kind of sadness would come up on the church because I was being disobedient to what God was telling me to do? I would never want that to happen. So my point, the price of maturing as a disciple is often very costly. Very costly. There's a doctor there's a doctor Bill Wallace was enjoying a successful surg- surgical career in his home state of Tennessee when the call of God led him to become a missionary in a revolution-torn China. He worked re- relentlessly through World War II and Japanese occupation of South China. Finally, during the Korea, the Korea, the, during the Korea conflict, he was arrested due to a huge anti-American propaganda campaign. He died in prison and was buried in an unmarked grave. To be a, ma- a maturing disciple for Bill Wallace was a costly thing. Verse 14, this is the second of the prayer of maturing disciples. Verse 14 says, one of, the, uh, one of the absolute absolutely necessary components of maturing disciples' life is the that of prayer. If you read it, it's for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father our Lord. It means he's reverencing. He's getting into a place of honor and reverence, right? I know sometimes we stand here standing and, you know, uh, I pray that the Lord understands when I do this, I am reverencing. Uh, but but never ever, the Bible said that he got on his knees. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? In reverence, in reverence, right? And so, uh, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father Our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a man of great prayer. And prayer must be a part of our uh, being a disciple of Christ. Paul prayed continually. It was the Apostle Paul who taught us to pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6, 18, Paul said, We are to be praying always with all supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So that means that... It, that I, I'm supposed to be doing it for all the saints, right? That means that if I'm going to be a disciple of Christ, that doesn't mean that I, I only pray for my church, saints of God, that God move and intervene in their lives, that God restores the hunger and the thirst for the kingdom of God to come forth in their lives so that they could be a part of the kingdom of God. Be a part of soul winning. Be a part of worship. Be a part of leadership. Be a part of the church. Doesn't mean that I come in and I just bow before God and say, Lord, I pray for Alan, Priscilla, and Nikki, and Ryan. I pray for my grandchildren, Kate and Kendall, Kai, Colton, Wyatt, Saria, um, Anora, Um, Nene's boy, Braden. Lord, I pray for these babies, right? It means I pray for the saints of the church. God, I pray for everyone's children right now. I pray for the saints of God. And if I can remember their names, I call their names out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Touch them where they are, touch their hearts, touch the husbands, touch the wives, move and intervene in their lives. You see, I don't know how much time Paul spent in prayer, but I suspect every day of Paul's life was filled with hard, time-consuming, soul-searching prayer. uh, Souls were a regular object of of Paul's prayer life. Souls should be a a regular uh, part of our prayer life. I don't know about you, but the way hell has been described to me by the Word of God, I do not want nobody to go to hell. I mean that with all my heart, all my might. I know I get frustrated. You all probably never get frustrated and go, you know what? I'm just not praying for them today. Right? But there have been days that I've just been frustrated. But dear God, I still don't want nobody to go to hell. I don't want them to be in a place where they're never going to have, there's not going to be nothing but gnashing of teeth. There's never going to be satisfaction. There's never going to, their thirst will Continue. It won't matter how much water you were to dump into hell; they'll ne- their thirst will never be quenched. The prayer in our text was a prayer prayed on behalf of the Ephesian believers. We 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 will discuss that in the next week. But in Romans one nine, Paul said, "God is my witness that without ceasing I make mention." In Philippians one four, Paul said to the Philippians, "He was always in every." In, in every prayer, making requests for you with joy. Listen, praying for others was evidently an overwhelming large part of Paul's prayer life. We need to pray for the lost. Disciples pray for the lost. Right? We don't just pray for ourselves. We pray for the lost, that God would save them. Intercession was, was important to Paul. Prayer is a necessity for prayer every mature christian the maturing christian must develop an intense prayer life i find that when my life is intense in prayer faithfully that man i I can receive things from god quick i'm in tune with the holy ghost i mean when god's speaking i'm i'm able to flow immediately I i can i can almost you know it's almost like wisdom and knowledge comes when I'm, when, when I'm where I need to be, when I've been praying like I need to pray, when I get up at the early hours of morning, and I know some of you get up at 4, so it makes it difficult for you to say, uh, to get up at 3.15 or 3.20 and pray before you start your day. But you know, I have found that if I start my day with prayer, I find that God goes before me in things that I'm not, and I don't lose my Christianity and my mind over things that are going on in front of me. I'm able to, God gives me the ability to get control of myself so that I can handle matters in front of me, right? Without blowing my my testimony. You see, the maturing Christian must develop an intense prayer life. I believe we should pray frequently, daily. All right. I believe we should pray fervently. I, I we ought to pray specifically. Right? If you're not careful, you know. Now we ask, what are you coming up here for? To be what are you coming up here for to pray for? No, no, I'm not asking. I am just looking at you. Jesus was like, I ain't, I'm not really up there asking for anything right now. <laughs> but you know, what I'm trying to say is, is you don't just come over. You know, uh, I, it, it's unwise to just go over here and go, uh, you, you know, like you come over here and just go, oh, in the name of Jesus. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Speaking tongue. Right what are you here for sir I'm here for a special need okay are you a million dollars okay I'm not talking about the ritual of saying grace before a meal I'm talking about having a specific time each day when we get alone with God and fervently systematically pray it's is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. We should devote much of our prayer time to intercession. Amen. And I'm coming to a close. Right. For many, for many, their prayer life becomes unbalanced. They spend most of their time praying uh, personal for personal proportions, personal personal needs. In fact, some never pray unless they are asking God for something. And prayer should be made up of praise, thanksgiving, confession, intercession, and petition. You get that? I'll say that again. Here's what prayer should be made up of. Praise, thanksgiving, confession, intercession, and petition. You know why we encourage worship in the morning when we come to the house of God? Why? Because we're preparing the way for the word. That's what prepares the way for the word. Not to come here and be entertained. This team does not come here to entertain you. They don't come here to sing to you so you could sit there and go, man, that was a good song service. They sung great. They're wanting you, the reason they put the words up here, they don't need the words. They put the words up here so that we out here can sing along with them and, and lift our hands unto God and begin to worship him and bring praise. And if we will follow the suit of 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 praying uh bringing up praise giving thanks to the lord for just being in the house of the lord you know maybe you can only lift up one hand maybe you can't lift up your hands but you ought to if you've got a voice you ought to give god thanking for the voice that you can raise up unto the lord and then you need if you've got any sin in your life you ought to be going god forgive me so that as soon as the word comes forth it immediately affects you. You can run to the altar in the middle of the service. You can run to the altar after the service. You could run to the altar in praise and worship. But you got to get some things in order. Nobody wants to confess my sins. Nobody, I'm, I'm okay. They want to come before God and just come, and you're going to take me the way I am. Uh-uh. Not God. you got to come to him in a right way. It would be a blessing for all of us to follow Paul's example and to pray more for others' intercession than we, we do for ourselves and petition him. In 1 Timothy 2.1, Timothy Paul said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. This means that intercession for others should become one of the priorities of a prayer life. And I'm coming to a close right here. I'm going to close right here. That means that our intercession for others should become one of the priorities of a prayer life. Next week, we'll diagnose Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 to learn how we should pray for others. Prayer is an absolute necessity. I can tell you that, I can tell you right now, i'm gonna be honest with you okay you know i'm a transparent man pastor whatever you want to call me if i can get my can't get my screen to do what i want it to do um i find that if i do not pray that i become more humanistic in my ways carnal right It's imperative, it's important that we as disciples of Christ that we have a prayer life. It's important. There are days that sometimes, I'm going to tell you, you probably feel it, maybe you don't ever feel these days. Some days I feel like I send a prayer up, and boom, she comes right back. Throw it up again, and it comes right back. Just, Just talking just to talk. But I keep praying. I come back the next day, and I go back into interceding and praying. And sometimes I don't ever get it back. But I don't know when he's going to answer it, but I know it didn't get thrown back at me. Amen. But I know that there's something happening in the atmosphere that I keep coming back. Amen. And it's not just coming back to me. God is doing something with it. The angels are doing something with it. And at some point, God's going to move and and intervene in that person's life. I want to be a disciple of Christ Jesus. I don't want to be someone that has defiled the name of Jesus. I want to be an obedient child of God. I want to be worthy of his, his name. I want to be worthy to be called a child of God. Amen. I want to be worthy to be a disciple of his. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning. Uh, we just ask you if you would just in, greet somebody, invite somebody. We have a Sunday night service down at Crossroads Apostolic. In White Plains, uh, it's probably on our website. If you go out and look at it, we'd love you to come. It's a unified service. We're asking Spanish everybody to come, our Spanish uh, families to be there as well. May the Lord richly bless you. I pray something was said tonight that would encourage you to be continue your growth as a disciple of Christ Jesus. God bless you. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, See on the throne Abba, Father the well that overflows the God who was and is and shall be forevermore Oh. Victory has a name, and it's Jesus. The Word has a name, and it's Jesus. Redemption.